0: Hello, everybody, and welcome into Ballsy, the Sports Day Who DFW, made you the host? Dallas way. Morning News Sports Podcast. He made himself the host. I am Kevin Sherrington, and you guys are talking over me. Uh, and thats I, kind you know, of the point. I don't like. I think the reason that we did it was because I was the only one who could remember what to say. I think
1: Alexander Haig for an old time reference. There, I, I like, think we did it because You're the
2: only one who doesn't have like lots of things out there that you have to cover, so we can count <laughs> on you being <laughs> wow. here. Every week. that
0: is—and he's still not here every week. That is really—he was late I, today. Yeah, that's really ugly. You know, you guys take that out too. But you know, when you get to, when you get to be Kevin Sherrington.
1: <laughs> oh, <God.
0: laughs> which you guys will never get to be <laughs> then see that's, One that's of my always,
2: to... <laughs> always important to talk about yourself in the third person <laughs>
0: <laughs> well you know so anyway, let's let's move on to something less important than me. Uh, let, let's, the let's show's over. Yeah, that's right. Let's <laughs> enough about me. Let's see, let's talk about what you think about me. <laughs> let's talk about college football, which kicked off last weekend, and it was quite a feat. Uh, I mean, I was out there early last Thursday um, for the A and game against Northwestern State of, of Louisiana, the the demons, as they're called. Uh, and covered uh, the demons. Cover, you, you covered the demons. Really? Covered the demons. Did you really?
2: Covered them in. Uh, covered them all the way into the one double A playoffs uh, in 1988.
0: Were they always called the Northwestern State demons? Yes, they were. were. They really? Yes,
2: and okay. uh, and fun fact. Yeah. Um. You know, the movie Steel Magnolias was filmed in Natchitoches,
0: Louisiana. Yeah. Uh,
2: and there were lots of scenes in the demons locker. Were there? Yes. There were. Yeah.
0: Julia Roberts was in the, the their locker room.
2: Yes, right. actually, I, th- I thought the scene was involved Olympia Dukakis, but I'm I, I can't remember now. <laughs> well, anyway, but and if you ever want to, we can get into the whole Northwestern let's, State and Stephen F. Austin rivalry between Nacogdoches and Nacogdoches no. for Chief Caddo.
0: No, that's not uh, Chief Caddo. No, let's not do that okay. at all. Well, maybe when we have Brandon George in here. Yeah. Yeah, he would love that. He'd yeah. love some Stephen F. Talk. That's right. He would. He, he's a lumberjack. Yes, he am. Uh, so, at any rate, uh, and, and, and then you had Texas at Maryland losing losing to Maryland. Tom Herman has now lost to them twice. He's 0-2 uh, against Maryland, which I don't think there's probably another – Coach in Texas history who could say that? So is Texas going to call off their annual series with Maryland? Now? I think that the, the <laughs> I think the home and home is done. They're over with at this point. I mean, I, I
2: feel like it's an A and M situation. They're just not going to play them anymore.
1: Even even more of an indictment, isn't Maryland? I believe now over X number of years. 2 and 22 against ranked teams. And those uh, two wins are uh, both against UT. Uh, I
0: think that, that that may be right. And of course, you we could question the fact whether that was as if Texas really a ranked well, team. Yeah. O- officially, <laughs> yeah, officially, yeah, officially it was. We
2: could also question the fact whether Maryland should have even been playing football last week. Well, but an, that's a, yes. a more serious. And I,
0: and I think a lot of people felt like because of what happened to Jordan McNair and the death of a, an offensive lineman last spring, And the fallout from that, people felt like, oh, this this is going to be such a program in disarray now because they don't have their head coach. He's on indefinite suspension. And uh, they fired their strength coach, and and now you've got an assistant coach running the team. And that team still beat Texas uh, in that game. So I I think, uh, you know, uh, we're – Well,
1: Kevin, what I saw was I think – the UT players were just trying too darn hard. Well,
0: that was the theory advanced by Tom Herman, who cited uh, and listen. I got to tell you, I'm a big Steinbeck fan, and so he he's <laughs> But he cited of mice and men and Lenny, you know, killing uh, the little the little by uh, squeezing too hard, you yes. know, and and that's what they were doing. They're squeezing too it, hard. Yeah. <laughs> you guys are just. I'm sure that if he brought that up to the players, they're looking at him like what? You, yeah usually we're doing what
2: usually when coaches start talking about players squeezing too hard they're <laughs> <laughs> talking about other
1: yeah thought uh,
2: yeah, yeah. <laughs> other areas um johnny ozzo used to have a theory on this what was that which was he uh, in his countrified way he used to always say sometimes you need to try easier
0: yeah, uh, and and I get that, uh, but listen, I don't think that anybody's going to look at this Texas team and has looked at it over the last four or five years and said, "Oh, these guys are trying too hard." I uh, I don't think that's the problem.
1: Well, and who sets the tone on that? I mean, the whole thing is you play as hard as you can, but relaxed, and that right. comes that tone is set by the coaching staff.
0: Yeah, absolutely, absolutely, and, and you know one of the one of the complaints about this Texas team, if you if you kind of watch them, and and I went over before last season when when Tom got the job and did something for Texas football and and, and talked to all these players about him and you could tell yeah yeah we're 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 okay with Tom but it but it wasn't like they were sold on it it wasn't like they're, mm-hmm. oh my gosh because first of all they all loved Charlie yeah, you know exactly. Charlie was a players coach there's mm-hmm. no you now listen there's a lot of things that Charlie didn't get right at Texas and I'm not sure he was really the the right guy for that job but he was a great guy and the and he clearly had a rapport with the players and they really liked him uh, so to go from a guy like that to a new guy who's who's kind of got a much harder edge to him and uh, and there's nothing wrong with that. And I'm not saying that, that Tom was the wrong hire. Certainly not. You know, he just in his second year, just starting his second year, who knows what he's going to be able to do there. But he certainly has a different style than Charlie had. And, uh, and t- to your point about getting the guys to play in a more relaxed way where their athleticism comes out and they're not, you know, overthinking things, I don't think that that's one of Tom's strong points. Uh, it's just not It's just not my impression from when he was at Houston and when he was here. I think, you know, one of the reasons he won at Houston was he went out and got some really good players. You know, Ed Oliver is the, is the best defensive tackle, not only in, fo- in college football, he – you know, he, he might be the best player in college football, you know, and that makes a big difference when you're playing in that league, you know, to have a player of that caliber. Yeah,
2: how many games did they play against the Maryland's of the world, even though Maryland's a second-tier Big Ten team? What?
0: Excuse me. Well, they beat Florida State, uh, you know, in the Peach in a Bowl, bowl game. in a bowl game, and that was pretty good. Yes. Uh, so they, so he can get them up, then they could play. You know, th- so there was, and that's what's you know vaulted him into the conversation. He was in, in line for he could have had the job at LSU. He could have had the 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 Texas job. He could he could have had several jobs that he wanted, and and he may still pull all that off. It's just that what's working here. I mean, that you know, you, you you look at this offense now, and they and and Sam Ellinger I think, was the right choice between him and Shane Buchel. Uh, But he's still making the same mistakes at the end of games that he made last year at the end of games. And they don't have a running game uh, at all. Uh, the, their offensive line hasn't been good in years. Uh, and, and that's and that's just unbelievable to me. And then they, they had Connor Williams last year, and now they don't even have him. Uh, their, their defense has been better. It played better last year, and there's no question about that. Uh, but several really good players they had on that defense left. And, you know, on the way out the door, we saw some of those guys say some things about the program and and uh, Deshaun Elliott and Connor Williams, for that matter, who seconded some of the things that Deshaun Elliott said, where he felt like that they were being held up for ridicule a little bit when uh, NFL teams came in and, and, and talked about them. So, you know, if you're a player on the team, yeah, if that's what happened, and if you're on the play, on the team now, are you really going to feel good about a coach who has maybe been talking smack about a guy going out the door? You know, you don't want to you don't want to hear that. Every one of these guys wants to play in the NFL. They want to think that, that their coach is talking them up. You know, so I'm not saying that that's what happened, but I'm just saying that these are things that that lend to the to a, a, a culture or at least a feeling on the team of of uneasiness and a feeling like, are we all in this really together? You know, is, is this Program moving in the right direction. I just don't know that we know that yet about Texas, and we're going to find out certainly this week uh, when they play Tulsa.
1: Well, it's two, again one game in. Even though you lose to Maryland again in a game you should not do if you're if you have any hope of showing improvement going into your second year, uh, it, it's way too early. But as this season plays out, then you have to step back, and if and if you still have no improvement this year, you have to step back and go. Does it go just beyond the coaches we're bringing in? What about the system that we have in place here? Is has our system devolved to the point where it's the issue? And so you're talking about the entire approach uh, the athletic, you know, department takes. Well, I, I do hard. think
2: I, I mean I I do think that you know when you talk about what Kevin was was discussing with players being held up for ridicule a little bit, I I do think that the first thing that kind of crossed my mind is the stewardship of the athletic department for the past several years um, until you got Chris Del Conte in there. Uh, I yeah. Think they went through was, a
0: couple of different athletic directors. Yeah.
2: And and I, I just think that it was very transient and mm-hmm. I don't think that that set a good tone for, for anything. Um, not that, you know, Connor Williams was ever reporting to the athletic director, but I, I do think it, it sets a tone for things and, I think their athletic department is in better shape now, but I do think that, that 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 probably had something has had something to do with kind of the overall message that gets that gets sent.
0: I think it's probably so. You know, Chris Del Conte, first of all, who came from TCU is a terrific athletic director, and I think they did a great job in getting him. And I, so I think they're 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 fixed there uh i think at this point so well, but
2: there's a lag between hiring him and well, no, everything no. absolutely
0: it'll right. take a while for him to get everything in that he wants you know one of the things that tom has said all along it's been kind of humorous to me is is how far behind the times texas facilities were it's the university of texas i mean i've been there i've seen it you know he was complaining about at one point he complained about the wallpaper uh in uh in one of the rooms somewhere he said this was the same wallpaper that was here when I was here as a grad assistant, you know, it's like, really, Tom, we care about the wallpaper? I can't, I can't think of a time when another coach in, in Texas history would have cared about the wallpaper. And if you brought that up, they'd have looked at you like, you're crazy. Now, I realize that times are different now, and kids are influenced by different things. I don't think they're influenced by the wallpaper. I, well, think- I,
2: just, I, I just had a flash, a baseball flash of the kind of manager that would be concerned about wallpaper.
0: Uh, Buck, Buck Walter. <laughs> yeah, he would have been. Well, let's let's go to the Texas schedule here. So they've got this. Wait,
2: week. I want to go back to something on the Texas schedule because you said we're going to find out a lot about this team this week.
0: No, no, against no. Tulsa. No, I didn't say this week. I said I said starting this week because after Tulsa, this was first of all they got to win this game. But next week you get precise language. Well, it's a columnist. Come on, we, on, on top of my head. Columnist, columnist I'm, I'm under medication. Okay, <laughs> give me a break. So, so then we, got, right? then we got then on, we got on the 15th though they've got USC coming in, right? And then they've got uh, I, then they got TCU coming in the week after that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then they've got the, to go to Kansas State, and then they've got Oklahoma out at the fair. So then we're so we're talking at that point. After Tulsa, let's, I'm going to give them the Tulsa win, uh, but then that, then it's USC, TCU, T- uh, Kansas State, and Oklahoma. They could lose all four of those games. Okay. If they lose all four of those games, then they've got five losses uh, already on, on the books. At that point, they're, they're in full-scale panic mode if that were to happen.
1: Well, you can do a plausible scenario. They're starting out, even, even if you're – Two and four is a plausible scenario, with sure. three and three starting out. Absolutely. Six games in, can you envision a scenario where they're above 500?
0: Uh, I think it's going to be pretty difficult. I think it's going to be really them. difficult. Now they had to win this Maryland yeah, game.
1: Yeah, I mean, that's how important this game was. It, so was it wasn't important. just it wasn't just sending an early signal that we're different. It's like, if you don't do it here, well, Tulsa's not going to get you that confidence. It's going to go to that next game, and, and they're going to have to win one of these games they're not supposed to win. Right in order to well, in the, the most court.
2: like the most likely of those i would say would be to beat kansas state on the road.
0: Uh yeah, maybe, but then they're tough. Kansas yeah. state's tough and, and they do a good job. They're, they, they coach them up really well. I, I think the one game i i could see them Is that a Texas thing to say coach them up really well? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh i think u i think they got a chance to beat usc at home. I think they got a better chance to beat usc than they they, they do tcu. I just don't see them beating tcu. I
2: don't think they're going to beat tcu. I don't think they're going to beat them.
0: Oklahoma. They're you not going to be in Oklahoma.
2: I don't think – yeah. I mean, they're going well, to start three, out 0-2. So three and 3 right there. They're starting out two and 0-2 two, oh, in the – well, the, the Kansas State game, yeah. Okay. Yeah.
0: So, yeah, I think this is going to be really difficult. And, that's, and the problem for all this is that it's your second year. The first year was just very middling, you know. And so you're going into your second year and you're still trying to sell this program to everybody. And you start out 3-3, three and three, you know. Th- that's not good, you know. Now, it will pick up after that. But then, you know, they got – after Baylor – they got to play Oklahoma State. Then they got to play West Virginia. You know, I don't. I it's don't think they're going to play all the
1: teams in the Big Twelve this year.
0: Well, they are. Uh, and that's what kind of happens in this league.
1: But you go six weeks in, and you haven't built any tangible excitement. You're not going to pick it up with the remainder of this game. Well, I mean, I want to tell you, it's not going to get
0: any better. They're going to they're gonna beat Tech, uh, and and they're going to beat. Uh, but I. I you know they're going to beat Baylor and Tech. Are they going to beat Oklahoma State? Are they going to beat West Virginia? Are they going to beat Iowa State?
2: West Virginia. West Virginia good. is in Austin, I believe. Correct.
0: Uh, West Virginia is in Austin, so that's a lot better. But they're really good. I mean, you know, Will Greer has uh, had a, was off to a great start. Uh, yeah. So you know he's the best quarterback in the league by far. So I, I think this is going to be a very difficult year for Texas, and uh, you know to to start off the you know your first first year was just kind of middling. I don't. I think if they I, – I was – I think I had them down for – did I say nine wins? There's no way to get nine wins now. Uh, you know, I think right now if they were to get – if they were to get to seven, that would be a major accomplishment at, at this point. Okay. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> all right. Well, I, I like that <laughs> argument. Way to go! Okay, all right. Well, so that's that's Texas. We. Got- I don't know.
2: You've confused me with your scheduling with with the fancy schedule. So we're, we're
0: talking
1: about schedule. He made his point that West Virginia was in Austin. That's all he. Oh, that's
2: was, all he, really really wanted, clear he up. wanted to make. Let's get yes, that. He felt I very good about think, that too. Is that game in Austin? Yes. Okay. Yes. Well, I think
0: that's the game we're going to. Oh, okay. Yeah. Gotcha. We. Oui. Let, yes, let's talk the, about uh, family. Let's talk about now. Of course, A and M. Well,
2: do you want to talk about A and M, or do you want to talk about other panic mode like Texas Tech?
0: Well, that's a panic mode there for panic. sure. I mean, that was that lost Ole Miss. They got smoked by Ole Miss a- and smoked like a cheap brisket. And I didn't see what the attendance was on that game, but I saw some highlights. That was uh, in Houston, right? Yes, it was at Reliance. St- well, it used to be Reliance Stadium. It is Neutral now, field is yes. now what's it called now? NRG. NRG. Yeah. Uh there wasn't anybody in that place. And and that yeah. is that is pitiful. That was the, the when I saw the,
2: the the few highlights from that, the thing that um struck me and again, Ole Miss Texas Tech is not quite LSU Miami. No. But I have to give Jerry credit here. He's every year getting a top flight kickoff game. You know, this was Auburn, Washington was in Atlanta, I believe. I think that was the Chick Fil A yeah. kickoff. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, Houston is Houston's a step behind on on this. They're just not going to get the same
0: quality that they're not going to think. But the, the thing is, Jerry gets in the, It doesn't really matter so much the quality because you watch that in bowl games. There'd be a good bowl game, but you're just getting two teams that are not going to travel. This was a team from in the state of Texas. And yeah, where, but where a, were the tech fans for it's this the, game?
2: It's the third it's it's the it's the number three team in the state of Texas.
0: I know, but where are the tech fans? what I want to know. And you then, know, they're tech fans in Houston. That's a that's a fairly large school. You know, they should have traveled for that game. And it was and it, and I think that's a I tell you what, I I don't see uh, I don't see Cliff surviving this year. I think they you know, tech has really wanted to keep him. He's a he's a, you know favorite son. Uh, and I think they've given him every opportunity. And this year, with all the guys they had back on defense, and the fact that uh, that that you know David Gibbs has done a really good job as a defensive coordinator there, he kind of has this bend but don't break philosophy. We'll give up yards, but we're not going to give up touchdowns. We're going to force turnovers, and and they have been doing that, and they've been really good at it. And, and frankly, I think that's the way to go against these spread offenses. Is to, is to try to you know, you you're you're going for for strips, you're going for for interceptions, you're you're gambling on this kind of stuff because you know that you're just constantly under bombardment with them. But that was a pitiful uh, uh, start out of the gate, and if they're not going to do any better, you know, and I'm not saying that that was a, a win. They they should have beaten Ole Miss. That's a you know, that's an SEC program, and it's a pretty good one. Uh, but it certainly does not look good going forward for them.
1: Well and again, when your whole emphasis in the off season was, we're improving on the defensive side of the ball. we don't need improvement, and yes, i I understand they lost their quarterback early, but but you did not see the defensive improvement or any signs of it no. in the game and 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 that's the other thing that that these programs fall into, especially like tech, where that plays offensively the way they do, and that's their identity, they'll always be talking about improving their defense. But you can only do it to a point because of the way they play offense. Their defense is still going to give up a lot of points because their offense isn't on the field that much because they score so quickly. Well, you wear
0: them out. You know, I really got to thinking about this uh, recently uh, about – you know the spread offenses, and of course, you know when we, when we say spread offense, there's they run the gamut. They run, you know, Urban Meyer spread offense is completely different from from you know what uh, yeah. Cliff Kingsbury does at Texas Tech. It's not even remotely the same. But when you re, when you're so heavily reliant on the pass as uh, as those teams are and running these speed up offenses, how many times has that won a national championship? We we've, we've seen Oregon do it. Uh, South
2: Florida it, do it with Tebow.
0: Yeah, but that was not really. That's as I said. That was that was more of a run oriented because Tebow ran the ball so Correct. much. You know, it was it was more run oriented than, than.
1: So you're talking pass first. Yeah,
0: I'm talking. I'm talking the kind of thing. You know, of course we we saw. You know, but
1: I'd argue it's a marketing and a survival thing. It, it's it's a way to be competitive and exciting and electrify your fan base, but not necessarily competing for a national title. And there are a lot of programs in this country that that. Can't even
0: hold those. No, you're absolutely right. If you're Texas Tech, you got to do that. Yeah, I don't think there's any question about it. Yeah. But I'm saying that if you you're watching, uh, I think you're seeing more big-time college programs. The ones that are going to compete for national championships are, are going. You know, sure. not that not that they ever really went real far that direction anyway. But they they're kind of swinging back a little Getting bit back more to basics, to that. if you will. Well, you you, more so. Yeah. Let me ask
2: you a question. Yeah. Um. You mentioned Oregon. Yeah. Outside of outside of the South. Yeah. Oregon, the last team to win a a championship with it, just period. I mean, Florida State, well, Clemson, those were the non SEC teams, right? Yeah, over the last decade. I mean, it's been all teams from the South that do that, that have always kind of run that SEC style, which is run the ball first, yeah, then use you know some pro style passing. Um, and I think what, what Alabama. And Clemson have also done is they've they've used mobile quarterbacks, but not to the extent of of a full scale spread.
0: Yeah, you can make Deshaun Watson was was terrific. Look at Clemson, and I I loved him when he was there. I thought he was tremendous, and he's become a tremendous you know NFL quarterback when he's healthy. Um, but um, uh, so that's a, a little bit different there. But but those teams,
2: but it wasn't a spread. No. It was a it was a quarterback. It was basically yeah, an option uh, offense,
0: right? And, and so you're well when we when you say spread, you're talking about not being pass happy, uh, right. and I, and I think that 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 is the issue. So I think what what happens is those teams get, those schools get the best offensive and defensive linemen. Those are the hardest sure. thing to get the best offensive and defensive linemen, especially defensive linemen. So when you can control the game like that, then you don't need to do those things. And you can be safer and do – and that was why.
1: And all the other schools can't. So how do you win the most games and keep your fans entertained? Right. It's scoring 45, 52 points a game. And absolutely. And so – so what about your defensive line?
0: No, I absolutely <laughs> and, and
1: again, you can find you can find playmakers, you can find quarterbacks and oh, receivers and you or guys always... in always space easier than you can. There, there's a larger drop from the the elite offensive and defensive linemen to that next level than there is from the elite no, no question Receive. about it. No question about Even it. Even quarterback a lot of times, too. You
0: know. Well, I mean, you, you know, we saw that. And Evan, you know, because my girls went to Arkansas, so I saw a lot of Arkansas games, and Brett Bieleman was there. And, and, you know, here was a guy who was supposed to be running, you know, he, he was run-centric, boy. Mm-hmm. We're going to have the biggest – got the biggest offensive line in college football, and we are going to just ground and pound. And, and, and for a couple of years, that really worked. And then all of a sudden, the next thing, you know, yeah, you had some huge guys, and they can't block anybody. And uh, and it didn't mean anything, and and so you, you kind of got to the point of seeing where you know that's how difficult it is to find really quality offensive linemen. They may be big, but they that doesn't mean they're good. So yeah, it's hard to find those kind of people. And, and as you said, harder to find than quarterbacks. Look at Mason Fine at UNT. Mm-hmm. You know he's terrific. He's you know he he, he's really good, but he's five ten and weighs mm-hmm. one hundred and eighty five pounds. You know, and uh, he's not going to play in the pros as a quarterback. And and so. Uh, but you can find those kind of guys uh, out there to do that, and, and that's what they, they kind of hang their hats on, and, and people are excited about it, and people like to see it, and I get it. I, I get why you'd want to be excited about this and give you the opportunity to maybe you can steal a win here and there if something goes right for you. But it's just hard to build. Um, uh, you, 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 can't, you can't do that. You know, if you're the University of Texas or you're Texas A&M, you need to be building – a, a pro style offense to me, and, and of course that's what Jimbo Fisher does at AM. He he runs a pro style, and he has a tight end, and uh, and they got it in there. And when the tight end caught a touchdown pass the other day against Northwestern State, the fans all went crazy because uh, that's what they wanted to see, and they had not seen under Kevin Sumlin. So that which brings us to and M. Uh, you know, I they he started Kellen Mond in that game, which is a he. Of course, had announced last week, early in the week, that he would do that. I was surprised. Thought he would stick with, uh, with uh, Nick Starkle, who is more of a, of a typical pro-style quarterback. Uh, doesn't move as well as Kellen Mond does. Uh, there are a lot of theories as to so why do you do this. Uh, I think we saw in the game that Kellen's throwing the ball much better. Uh, threw it really well. and some, some really nice passes. Showed some touch. He, can throw, he threw on the run pretty well. Uh, he also was sacked twice in the first half uh, and uh, was – was hit several times after passes. And so it's one of those situations where you don't know, is this just because the offensive line is such a lousy job because they were blitzing a little bit and picking things up? Or is this because in, in Jimbo Fisher's office, the quarterback is kind of required to call the blocking assignments uh, up there instead of the center. Is that his fault? Because in the second half, when Starkel was in there, and then they didn't run very much and he only threw the ball eight times. Uh, but, he, didn't, he, he never even got touched. He wasn't even close. And when he threw the ball, he stood in the pocket. He, it was a clean pocket, and he's delivering. Now, is that because the, the Northwestern State guys are all worn out and worn down because they're little guys? Or is it because this guy's doing a better job? So the point about all that is that now, this week they're playing Clemson, which has four defensive linemen that some people are projecting as a, a – potential that they could all be first round draft picks which would be unprecedented i'm sure and if they're not all first rounders they're all gonna be drafted in the first three rounds uh so how how are they going to handle that kind of pressure on defense
2: evan sounds like a challenge to me (laughs) (laughs) sounds like we'll find out a lot about them this week against clemson yeah we'll find out a lot about it as opposed to against tulsa um Listen, I you know I think that Jimbo Fisher,
0: is,
2: uh, I just applaud teams for playing these caliber games early on. Okay. Yeah. They're gonna find out a lot about themselves. Well, they
0: kind of have. This is just their. Uh, well, you know, it, it, it is it is a difficult game. There's no question about it.
2: But they're gonna find out a lot about themselves, and I think it's good for the. It's good at the at the kind of the outset of the Fisher era, for them to play a an elite. Championship level team. I know they're going to play Alabama later in the year, but this this gives them a benchmark. You know, sure. this is what we're aiming for, um, and they will probably get beat up on the on the defensive line. Yeah, um, I'm thinking, and so. it's it's going to it's going to let them know if we want to be an elite team, if we want to join the Alabamas and the Clemsons, this is where we've got to go. And I think it's going to be a good mess. I think. I think if the if, if their players and their fans take it in that way that hey this is we're, we're 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 moving towards something here this is this is the challenge I think it's a good experience but I don't know that it's going to be necessarily very pretty for them
0: no, I don't think so. I, I don't see any way. I think the line on this game was thirteen and a half, something like that. And and I, I, I I'm taking Clemson in this. Uh, I I just don't see them uh, winning this. I, I said before the season they would win eight games. Uh, I think that's pretty much the consensus about the Aggies. If they could win this game, you know, then boy, then the Fisher era is off to a roaring start. Uh, and that and that it would be, un- you know, he's had a really good recruiting season. So you you know you you couldn't imagine what this will do. Uh, for, this
1: game would give you more than one win in the stand. I mean, this, oh, you're you, absolutely the momentum right. of this would build beyond Yeah, that's a great much. way to put
0: it. It's worth more than one win. Uh, and if you lose this game, it's not going to be, you know. Not Current big line deal. is Clemson at 12. Is it 12? Yeah. So I, I think that you know this is a team that they uh, no one's really expecting them to win this game. Uh, so it's not a lot of pressure on A and You just don't want to get blown out in this thing. You, you don't want to you don't want to get ugly. I, I will say this: I, I think that uh, you know uh, as I said, I had a, I had Texas initially for nine wins and A and M for eight. I think right now that A and M has stands a much better chance of winning its eight games than uh, than Texas has of winning those nine. Uh, I, I do think there was a lot of good things to see in that uh, in that game the other day for A and M, and specifically on offense. And, and, and okay, yeah, you're playing Northwestern State, but they did some good things. Uh, and as I said, Kellen Mond threw the ball well on the run, and he had a couple, and he had two or three passes dropped, uh, and one of them would have been for a touchdown, and which he threw very well. So I, it was the question I, that I had for it was: do you, do you start Kellen Mond because he runs better, and because Against a team like Clemson, you're going to need a guy who can who can throw on the run a little bit better than than Nick Starkle does. Uh, do, you, do you feel like your offensive line is not really equipped uh, to to give your quarterback a, a nice pocket? Uh, maybe he thinks to all those things. Maybe there are other factors that went into it. Uh, do you think
2: he's so? Do you think he's got Kellen Mond in mind as his long term quarterback? Well, do you uh, think you think he's managing this game by game, matchup by matchup, or do you think he's got he's got a De- definitive plan here.
0: I, I'm sure he has some kind of plan. I mean, he's pretty good with quarterbacks. You know, he's he's done a good job with them over the course of his career. Um, but um, I don't know what his long term plan is. Is you know, and I think what we've seen with and I and I uh, and I wrote that I know you hate for me to say that, but I wrote this a couple of weeks ago. That uh, and I think what the reason you've seen all these college coaches waiting until the last minute to name their starting quarterback was they're just simply trying to keep them from leaving. Yeah, you know, yeah. and uh, and you know if you go into the season and you know and they don't know, then it's like well they're less likely to leave now. School's already started, you know, and and we're no, all
1: But what about the end of the season? Well, it's yeah, the end of the, yeah <laughs> well absolutely, they're they're out the door
0: then. But you know that's certainly what we saw at Alabama with you know uh, the situation there and and now Nick Saban's so sensitive about that uh, and getting asked about that. What a shock that you'd be. That someone would ask you who your starting quarterback will be. It's, it's, I think that was the original question when, when sports writing began. Was the first question was who's your starting quarterback? Uh, uh, there,
2: there's a, re- you know, I've got issue with this. There's a reason why Nick, why Nick Saban was upset by this question. Why is that? It came very quickly after he had had to shake the hand of Bobby Petrino.
0: <laughs> you just, you just have a problem with Bobby. I do. But but not for the right reasons. You're still mad at him about that Atlanta thing. He's just,
2: no, I he's as sleazy as they come. Although Urban Myers quickly well, he's catching rising up. through the ranks. Yes, he is. Um, and are we going to get through this college podcast without talking about Tom Herman and strip clubs?
0: Uh, do you want to talk about that? Uh, it's up to you. That's what the uh, that's what the that the Ohio State people were more than happy to uh, confirm. Uh, I think the Columbus Dispatch <laughs> had asked, "Hey, do y'all know, are y'all going to see who that other coach was that was with Zach Smith?" Yes, that was For Tom sure. Herman. <laughs> <Yeah>. Tom <laughs> so, put
2: it on his credit card.
0: Yeah. So uh, yeah. So I think that I think there's some lingering animosity there at, at Ohio State with Tom, and I think they they don't believe that uh, that Tom and his wife Michelle were not involved in the whole Zach and Courtney Smith issue because there was clearly correspondence between them about everything. I, I still I still don't believe has somebody taken the Twitter away from Zach Smith this week? I don't know. Is he not tweeting tweeting anymore?
1: Well, he was tweeting last <laughs> after week after that initial burst. It yeah. was, uh, I have not seen
0: anything. Yeah,
2: he got into it with uh-huh. Brenda Tracy too.
0: Oh, did he, did he really? That's yeah. unfortunate. Yeah. yeah. Brenda Tracy who's a uh, advocate for victim for, advocate for women yes. and has uh, gone around and sp- spoken to a lot of programs in in including in this state
2: basically said uh I believe you know brenda had he had started to go kind of wacko and uh Brenda had stepped in and said you know I, this is unacceptable the way you know you're you're shaming a a a victim here yeah and he said, well, I was always a big supporter of yours, but basically now I hate you. But not you. now. Yeah. yeah. Not now. <laughs> now that you've Yeah, you're just like married. all the others. I, <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> so, I, yeah, I, I hope somebody took his Twitter account away. Yeah. Um,
0: well, I will say this in an Ohio State situation. I do think there is a lot of stuff that we still don't really know for sure. And uh, I think what we know for sure is that, that uh, Zach Smith's a pretty sleazy guy. Uh, and so that's how that came up about, which I thought was a great quote from Tom Herman when he was asked about this. He said, that was four and a half years ago. My wife knew all about it, had no problem with it. You know, I so, said, oh, OK, well, if your wife was cool with it, then we're OK. Uh, I, as I, I think At least we know he reports to a higher authority. Uh, but that, you, you know, it's, it's funny to me that there used to be a time, certainly in this state, when all anybody was concerned about was NCAA infractions. Right. You know, in the in the NCAA, uh, you know, snoops are, are hanging around here. They're all around all the time and they're everybody's turning each other in. It was just I covered colleges back then in the 80s. And, and you know, people were you're just running from one school to the next. And it was Great. and as finally, I called mm-hmm. Bum Bright one day and and uh, to ask him about something. And and Bum had good friend with with uh, the governor. Bill Clements had been his campaign treasurer. And he and Bum just told me, he said, the. Uh, uh, Bill Clements told me that basically, because everybody turned in SMU, which everybody did, that SMU's turning in everybody else. There's a hit list, and uh, and, and so that's what happened. Uh, and, and everybody was turning in everybody else, but nobody was was ever talking about is Is this guy in strip clubs at night? Is this guy tolerating uh, you know uh, abusers on his staff? Those were never questions that came up, and and you know I I know stories about coaches and things that they have done in this state. That if they had ever gotten out, would in today's climate gotten them fired. Right. Uh, and uh, and I think that people just don't know that. You know, people are used to as used to say about when I covered Bill Yeoman. You know, Bill Yeoman was very big with the FCA and and uh, very much uh, you know on camera he'd always say things like "Golly G. Ned." We'd actually say right. that. Uh, and then cameras would go off, and if I had written something he really didn't like, it was like standing in front of a drill instructor. I mean, it was like, wow, he would just lay me out. And I just don't think that people understood that, no, this is what they're like. Not that there was anything wrong with that. I'm just saying that people have this perception that these guys are like they are on TV when you see them. Right. you know, and, and they're not like that. And they don't understand that coaches are so used to lying about things that they, to them it just doesn't mean anything. It's just like I'm just trying to protect my program, so I'm just going to lie, you know. And you know, like the famous quote from
1: justify any lie because it's about protecting the program. Protecting oh, the program comes above uh, above all else. Yeah, I'm right. protecting
0: my kids. I'm you know, like you know, the famous quote from Bob Phillips when uh, there was a trade between the the the, the Oilers in, in Oakland and Dan Pastorini was traded for Ken Stabler, and and he had denied this that it was going to happen. Denied, 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 right up to the last minute when it finally happened. And his quote was. If I'm gonna, if it comes down to lying to you guys or making a trade, I'm gonna to lie to you guys. You know, and that and that's kind of the way coaches are. Well, it's as John
2: Hart once said to me, you know, if it will protect the integrity of the trade, I'll lie to you. And I was like, okay, good. So now we know that I can't ever trust you,
0: right? And and, not that, and I want to make clear now this is not the same thing as lying about did you know about Zach Smith? No, much Correct. different level. Yeah, you know, a much different level, different thing. But I think that that coaches, I got to tell you. 60% of the coaches out there, I think, would have done the same thing. Oh. Yeah. And and, and, and see, what gets me about that is, is that how many how many coaches do you think could have done what Zach Smith was doing for Ohio State? You have – The reason bring he, to the he was table. able
1: to do it was because he was – my understanding is because he was such a good recruiter. Well, he's supposed that to be a really why, good recruiter. That was why you have to have – you have to have – a skill set that sets you apart that allows that behavior to be
0: overlooked. Yeah, and that was the whole Tom Herman but, thing. But
1: again, but, again, that's a management issue that you're purposely looking the other way because you know, you know, again, you always have to apply the standard, okay, if this guy wasn't as good at what he's doing, would he still be here? Right. And if the answer is no, then you better really look at why is it yes now. Right. And, and is this going to fly once all of this gets out? And you have to assume in today's world at some point it's going to get out. But again, I find this fascinating because this is, we're, we're saying all this and we're talking about you know, what we're just talking about, you have to have, if you're really good at what you do, people will ignore some of the unsavory aspects right. of your behavior to keep you employed. If it's a peripheral issue that doesn't go directly into the product. Mark Cuban took a different approach in protecting a guy who was a dot-com right. writer and, and it exposed. So wh- I, I guess what I'm saying is once you get into making these trade-offs, I don't know that you can even distinguish them anymore, and, and it becomes a part of your culture.
0: Right. Yes. And, I, I think culture is the operative word here, is that, that you have established a culture. And, that was, of course, that was, goes back to when you're talking about Zach Smith's recruiting. The the whole Tom Herman part of this was that supposedly because Zach Smith was getting he was recruiting in Texas, got this receiver that uh, that Texas really wanted. Uh, and then when I understood later on is that well this kid was from Columbus, Ohio. He was actually going back home to go to Ohio State. Not as big a deal to everybody as, as it seemed here at the time. Uh, but then you, you also heard you know reports that Zach Smith was you know. Not doing a good job the last couple of years. wasn't coming. It wasn't showing up for things. I think you're right. I think probably it all came down just to recruiting. Probably, pretty much, basically that, and the fact that he was Earl Bruce's grandson, and Urban Meyer owed a, a debt to Earl mm-hmm. Bruce. So, uh, but I will say this: that's the thing for me with coaches. There's a there's a thousand guys out there you could hire. A thousand guys you could hire for any one of these jobs, and probably most of them are going to do a good job. And if they're really that much better than somebody else, there's a reason. You know, you just can't tell me that this guy's such a much better recruiter than this guy, and it's just because he's got such a much better personality. You know, I, I believe there's some there's some corners being shaved when when we're talking about that kind of difference.
2: Um, can we get to the Cowboys?
0: Yeah, we need to. Yeah. So we're just saying that we're just quitting now. Yeah. All right. So you, you, you want to? Are we going to go around the horn here? Who uh, do we think Texas is going to beat Tulsa this week?
1: Uh, I do.
2: Uh, yeah, I yes. think I think we'll find <laughs> out a lot about them.
0: But yeah, they'll they'll beat Tulsa. Uh, you know, one thing it said, you I, know. Eye it, rolls
1: it, don't translate into the podcast world. Either. Yeah. Just to let you know. And
2: uh, it, so it's for the video cast. And a, and,
0: a and M against Clemson?
2: <laughs> uh, Clemson. Clemson. Yeah.
0: I'm, I'm doing the same thing on that one.
2: Got any other games you want us to pick for you?
1: Local power, North Texas. North Texas. Who's, who's North Texas guy? That's the
0: alma mater. You <laughs> forgot. <laughs> a proud UNT alum. I'm still. Uh, this week still is. Uh, this week we have. SMU. Friday night, TCU SMU in the battle of the of the skillet. I'm, I'm, I am gotta say that they're gonna clang. That is that not in skill. question. They're, they're gonna clang that skillet on top of SMU. Now I will say this: SMU over the years has really you know, they get up for that game, but boy, they just look so poor against uh, against UNT. Uh, UCLA Oklahoma. You know I picked UCLA to cover that game, uh, and we'll we'll see how. Oh, they now do. we're get, now it's just betting information. Who's well, going to win the game? People like that stuff.
2: Who's going to win the game? Oh, I said Oklahoma. Okay. I said that. I picked them to cover. Oklahoma's a 30-point favorite against UCLA. Yeah, that's a lot. All right, well, that's about all I got.
0: That's it. Did, did, did we see Kyler Murray's uh, little run the other day in that game? Very Johnny Manziel-esque. Uh, unbelievable. He was just all over the field. That's what he does. He can do that really well. Now, you know, I've, I've had people say that, oh, they, they don't think there would be that much of a drop-off between him and Baker Mayfield, and I think that's crazy. Baker Mayfield was maybe the most accurate quarterback in college football last year, uh, and that is not what – That Kyler is not Colin Murray Murray's game. No, that is not. But he does bring in a different skill set, and if uh, Lincoln Riley can maximize that uh, and tweak everything – is and he's a really good coach, and I think a really good coach does that. Uh, so we'll see. Uh, we'll see how they do.
2: there anything else you want to digress to before we say goodbye? No. Bye. No. Goodbye, everybody.